You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride Podcast. And on Twitter, Slow Ride Pod. Enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to the 234th episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Tim in Orlando. And this is Spencer in Boston. Tim, I was just in the podcast green room and it it felt a little lonely in there. It felt some lonely again, and we are going to hear all about it next week when the little guy returns after he listens to yet another podcast with him not on the show. We did have a nice reappearance of him last week. Um, little guy will be back next week. We're very excited for that. And we're also hoping to finally have professional cyclist and road racing hypercolor model superstar Mitch Docker on the podcast for our annual Pro Tour jer- Top Corner Draft Corner Jersey Draft. Very excited about that. But we would be remiss if we didn't just assume the identity of the little guy for a second here. Mm-hmm. Um, Spencer, I want you to be the little guy. Okay. Um, and I am your favorite cycling media, um, you know, print media, Twitter, it doesn't matter. Uh, Adventure and Magazine? Adventure Wait, Ma- sure. Roller Magazine? Which one Roller does he like magazine. the best? Uh, the, well, it's the Bicycle Quarterly. Bicycle I'm pretty Quarterly. sure Bicycle Quarterly hasn't come out yet <laughs> to discuss what I want to announce, but okay. I am going to announce a, um, let's go with a... Uh, Let's go with Rolora magazine. Just does, imagine, uh, just does imagine R- a real. Does Rivendell really, still come out with a? Uh, oh, the Rivendell like a catalog. That was a, that was a really good little catalog. Um, they probably do. The, okay. the, a Rivendell customer, you know, print is not dead to that individual. Um, so let's. I want you to picture a nice photograph with a with a great filter on it, uh-huh. um, of just a blue and purplish tie dye ish kit that says education first on it and okay. someone wearing it with a bucket hat of a similar color how are you the little guy reacting right now uh i'm envisioning this and i'm i'm pretty into it i i have to say it looks like something i made myself in my backyard on a, on a summer's day uh maybe died from the fruits and vegetables i've plucked from my own garden and, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm feeling it and I, I like the bucket hat. Look, I got to say it's, it's about I, time somebody brought back the Gilligan to the Peloton, brought him, I, rescued him off the Island and, and brought him into uh, professional ranks. I'm pretty sure you just nailed it. Um, now we know for a fact that little guy if, who took the education first Jersey last year as the number one Jersey. Yeah. First pick in the draft. He took the old education first kit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even think we will get to the point of of announcing the draft, and he will already be picking this kit. I mean, this is there's so much to go on here. I I'm all about it. I I'm in. Are you? Yes, I am. I I'm gonna be in little guy's corner here for a couple of reasons. Okay. One is it is highly recognizable. That's, That's true. One. That's true. Two. It reminds me of Lamprey, which always oh, loved. See now, okay, that's an angle I had not considered. Like it's completely a Lamprey ripoff, really, because um, they were like, "Ooh, you know the Peloton? It's been two years without the colors that were there for twenty years." Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just make a Lamprey kit. Um, I like that. I like. That I am a lot. not. I'm not the bucket hat individual. I'm not. I can't wear a bucket hat. I don't want to ever see the bucket hat unless it's on Mitch Docker because he looked. He looked really giddy in it. <laughs> but um you know it's not my favorite kit in the peloton by any means right but so it's much better than it's much better than what i feared and it's much better than last year's kit like this like this is i w- i am not i'm like taylor jones friend of the pod um where he was like you know he wasn't all about how they're like oh the pink is gonna you know revolutionize the peloton or whatever like i I don't buy that like that's that's just publicity speak 
I mean, the roller coaster of emotions that I went on the first time I saw this kit revealed, um, you know, it came across my Twitter feed and, you know, I went from like, ooh, that's so different to, uh, I don't think I like it to, oh, but, you know, the this is like never been done and it's great to see it's refreshing. And then I was like, oh, bucket hats, no. And then it's just one thing after another over and over, like within the, you know, split seconds, like just like highs and lows that I've never felt before about a kit. So I don't know. I can't really nail down where I ended, but I can guarantee that no kit has made me feel the ways that this kit has made me feel. (laughs) Here's the, let let me say the, okay. I think this is going to back up your feeling and this is like, so I like the kit. What, and this goes with like, I think what Taylor was getting at and others. This is what I don't like is the fact that they use the word disrupting when describing the kit straight out of Silicon Valley. Like I can see fodders probably just typing that up just like, Oh yeah, we're going to scale this bad boy up. I got some good VC money coming in on round, you know, a funding or whatever else they talk about out there in Silicon Valley Uh and talking about disrupting the professional sport and bringing a new approach to team sponsorship is just, come on, we can do better. Just say like, Hey, you know what? We Mm -hmm. wanted to make a, a unique kit. Like, like it's not disrupting anything. It's cycling. Like you already look like a clown. Look at the history of jerseys that disrupted the Peloton. Kelme with the, the vertical stripes. I mm-hmm. thought that was pretty disruptive when I saw it. Castorama, <laughs> little guy right now is yelling at his yelling at his radio as he hears us talk about Castorama. He's like, thanks, Tim, for mentioning that. That yeah. also disrupted the Peloton because the dude was wearing overalls. Yes. Carrera, they had jean colored spandex pretty yes. disruptive if i saw that i'd be like whoa swerve crash yeah so and and the unibet kit which seems to get mentioned oh. on this podcast every other week it's it's the new hand cappy it yeah I mean, like we can't avoid it whenever you're talking about kits you pretty much have to bring up unibet if you want to talk about disrupting the peloton ag2r with brown shorts oh lord yeah like you know everyone talks about that i i could be on a local group ride and people are like oh brown shorts don't like that team and now these same people now are probably going to be wearing the pink and purple and they're going to be like oh man it's so disruptive um, see this is here's the thing it might be it, it might be disruptive for the world tour um peloton although your lamprey 2.0 uh comment earlier has me reconsidering this um but that aside, like it might be disruptive for world tour level, but these guys are going to be racing dirty Kanza. I but don't know. Kit. Okay. But See, I don't know when, if that's disruptive for, for the cat three elite level that they seem to be shooting for. Oh, uh, I see what you're saying. So, so here's my understanding of it. And this is what I want to do. Some congrats, con- congratulations on is that they did do a pretty good unveil. My mm-hmm. understanding is that the all black kit, that they wore at like the um, Australian and New Zealand road national championships Okay, is also what they're going to be wearing on the adventure side of things. So like they'll be wearing the all black kit. At okay. Kansas. So that's how um, they're avoiding breaking the rules. Oh, there's yeah. And I have so many other rules about like, how do they get into dirty Kansas? Right. Are they going to have to do the lottery? <laughs> yeah. Um, it, like it, there has to be a UCI rule about them doing that race. Cause I tend to remember Tyler Hamilton when he was banned, couldn't do the unsanctioned like crit in sure. Boulder because in the way that they enforced it was that anybody that did that race with Tyler Hamilton would therefore then be banned. Sure. Because or, it was an unsanctioned race. I think, uh, yeah. And that's because he was banned. But if you think back to pre Lance being banned when oh, the three member team, yeah. Thing? When discovery wanted yeah. to do, uh, tour de Gila with uh, that was Levi and whoever else. Yeah. It was UCI sh- sanctioned, but they couldn't, it was not UCI sanctioned. It was like a, an, a, an H one or two or whatever. Yeah. Or NRC. So, I don't know. I'm confused. That was a long time ago, but the fact was, is that they couldn't wear their world tour kits and they couldn't field a squad bigger than three, which I've, feel like it's probably something what's going to happen to Cannondale with these so, um, alternative schedule. Yeah. And there's other things like the, okay. 
they chose the gravel races. That's cool. Mm-hmm. They kind of wussed out. They didn't go to Red Hook Crit or the Mission Crit. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. Like, put your money where your mouth is. You're saying you're going to do an alternative calendar. Go the full alternative calendar against like. Yeah, I didn't see the Super Bowl on that list either. <laughs> yeah, I don't see the local messenger race. Um, Cranksgiving. Wow, Education First is at 25 different Cranksgivings around the world. They oh, what is this? It. They're also going to be at every spooky cross in North America? Oh, man, how are they going to be able to compete? That could be good. So, thumbs up or thumbs down officially for you, Spencer, on the Education First Dray Pack presented by Cannondale kit. I got to say, big thumbs up all the way around. Kit, reveal, the look, like everything about it until I got to the, the bucket hat thing. And then the Fred Durst, like throwback style, just <laughs> made me turn that thumb around straight down. Oh, I, wow. I got to give it, I got to, I got to sink that ship strictly due to the oh. hat. I, you know, Mitch Docker may not come on the podcast now because I'm pretty sure he was the one that pushed for the, the, the bucket hat. Um, okay. I'm assuming little guys, a, a, a thumbs up and I'm going to go thumbs up on this. So two to one, the official stance of the Slow ride podcast is a split decision yep. victory, victory for the new kit. Ah. Um, but it is important to say that it is a split decision. It wasn't unanimous, but, um, they're not going on the Mount Rushmore anytime soon. Now, Something else I want to just pry into your thought psyche a little bit. Okay. Think back to when Slipstream... Let's go back to TIAA Cref. Okay. Right? Yeah. As Argyle. Well, yeah. So we had the Argyle, and then there's been kind of that, you know, went to Garmin. Mm-hmm. And there was, the Argyle for a while I thought was pretty slick. Um, yeah. I kind of liked it. It was that baby blue with the orange. And over time, we've had this kind of transition away from Argyle to just little touches of Argyle to now just some weird tie-dye. Like there's not even a touch of Argyle that I see on this thing. Right. Um, what do you think of the transition of what the, the team slipstream sports kit has been over the years? Uh, well, it went from pretty plain to, God, I don't even know if you can say revolution. Like the, the Argyle was like, it was the opposite of what's happening now is they were elevating cat three styles up into the world tour. You know what I mean? And now they've come full circle in their, their pulling world tour down into the cat three level. So, so it was almost like they were elevating like a twin six Jersey with the Argyle, you know, slowly a little bit. Yeah. You know, not too bad. Graphic designers got a hold of this bad boy. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Okay. Which, which I mean, let's, let's be honest, like the worst, Cannondale slash uh, uh, Garmin slash Slipstream kit out there is better than 90% of the other world <laughs> tour kits that are out there. So, you know, we're, we're dissecting here like with a fine, you know, uh, fine tooth comb going through these these kits because they're, they're not bad. They're just, um, yeah, I don't know. Okay, well, I think that We've talked enough about it, enough that we'll be ready for the draft corner um, coming up. There are a couple of other things that I think we need to get to. Um, the big news, I think, for the the weekend, at least from what I've picked up over the weekend, is that uh, Toon Eretz is the new Belgian cyclocross national champion. He is. So that, um, as you said on the Twitter today, tugging at our heartstrings and our cold, cold heart is weeping. Yes. What do you mean by that? Um, I mean, the, the post-race interview with Toon, uh, he just kind of lost it. Um, I mean, this race meant a lot to him, and uh, he definitely put his all into it. And uh, he, he came out good on the day, you know? Like, he obviously had some good results early on uh, in, in uh, the Trek Cup in Waterloo and in Iowa. Um, but, uh, you know, he's been struggling lately to kind of hang with the Vanderpool and Wout Van Aert. And, um yeah, I think it came together for him today, and this was a big one for him, you know? I'm not 100% caught up on the full standings, but he is going to win the World Cup, though, right? Uh, I don't know if that is... I think, yeah, I think he will. Um, he just needs a place, like, in the top four. There's, there's still two World Cup yeah. races left, so I don't think it's buttoned up with certainty, but I think it would take... I think he would have to, like, not finish one of them or something. 
Yeah, and then the main thing there is that just Matthew Vanderpool didn't show up to the U.S. races. So right, yeah. Um, but the Belgian race was amazing. It was, it was pretty cool. Uh, really muddy, uh, looked a lot. I gotta say, looked a lot like us nationals this year, like just a lot of running and things that like, look like they should be rideable that they just weren't. And, uh, I don't know if that was just too much for so, Wout with his, uh, spring classics training or what, but, um, are you a little worried about Wout going into the world championships in a few weeks here? Cause you, you were all on the Wout train for a while, guaranteeing victory at worlds mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, uh, he lost I, a tune. I'm not worried. I'm not worried. Um, I think he would have liked to win the day. Uh, I am not going to dismiss that as like, oh, this wasn't his goal. Like this was definitely on his his second highest priority, you know. Uh, but Worlds is still the high priority. That is what he wants. And um, I mean, this gives him another reason to win Worlds because if he doesn't, he doesn't have that Belgian no. jersey to fall back on. In the hierarchy of jerseys, he will not be wearing the Belgian jersey as long as he's the World Cup leader at the World Cup races, right? Right. Well, okay. that's probably true. But here's the thing. Wout, uh, because his team fell apart days before uh, the Trek World Cup uh, this year, he like threw together that team. Yeah. yeah. We have never even seen his trade team kit. Ooh, so there's a good there's a good kit reveal coming it, up here. It could be terrible. We have no idea. Oh, this is exciting. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm game. I'm I'm excited to see that. I um, am willing to bet he didn't even design one. Uh, sure. <laughs> so that's that's news. But the the biggest news I think was was the reveal of the uh, the confetti cannon guy. Oh at, yeah. Uh, Dutch national championships when Vanderpool won. He's um, unmasked. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of disappointed. Like when you watch the video of the, uh, of yeah. the, the cannon guy, Vanderpool seems a little disappointed. Like looks over at the guys. is like, really? Like kind of. <laughs> yeah. I was, I don't know if I was expecting uh, him to be in like a cat burglar so, outfit or something like sneaking around, like secretly shooting off the confetti or what, but he, he looked At pretty least casual. In gear. He looked kind yeah. of official, like because he was there, like talking to the officials, and then went across to the finish line. I thought he'd at least be dressed like a roadie, you know, the full black outfit, like kind of have some, like a tool belt of just different confetti poppers in case one went off, you know, yeah, like replacement microphones. Yeah, um, I buy or sell confetti cannons at finish lines of races of all levels. So, I'm gonna say buy. And I'm I'm still really into the idea of confetti cannons. I think it is. I think it adds something, adds a little spice to the race. Um, the only reason I've been like, I wouldn't even say negative, but the only reason I've been like bored with it is because Vanderpool looks so bored with it. Yeah. Uh, because he's just winning all the time, and he's like, whatever, stop shooting me with confetti. Um, but in general, I think the confetti cannon brings a lot to the event and uh, to the coverage. I kind of want to see a confetti cannon at the Zwift World Championships that are going to start taking place, right? <laughs> yeah, like I, like someone in the trainer like room when they're all there together, and there's a confetti cannon that just like maybe it just it just shoots down on the rider um, up from their like specialized fan or whatever they're using to stay cool. Um, and then uh, other news: uh, Yolanda Neff won in mm-hmm. Switzerland. Um, looked like a muddy race. The uh, same uh, Stybar got second at Czech national championships to Boros, I believe, okay. by like yeah. over a minute. Um, that French guy won again. Um, the one that used to, uh, what's his name? Uh, um, Venturini. Ta- Venturini, um, sorry. He races for AG2R last year. Like he was going to be on the factor, the most, but the then most, they didn't have a factor bike. <laughs> the most important news out of French nationals uh, on the men's side was that Francis Moray was in third place. Uh, yes. Perennial hero. Uh you know, I watched him off the front at Louisville 2013, thought it was going to be the French Renaissance for sure. And then I saw him slide out on the corner I was standing at uh, and uh, all hopes were dashed, unfortunately. So Francis Murray always pulling for him, but uh, good to see him on the podium. Yeah, I was um, trying to keep up on all the different races. So I was oh, man. Just, uh, it's kind of like watching the red zone of NFL coverage, like national cross championship day because all the races are just spread around <laughs> around the world and right. you're trying to like just find little snippets like i don't even know who won british national championships i didn't pay attention yeah. to the men but i do know nikki bramar did take did the she? women's one yes oh. 
over um, Helen Wyman, I'm assuming? Helen was third. Third, wow. Yep. Okay. Anna Kay in second. Um, Carolyn Mani won the French women. And uh, Vanderpool uh, obviously won the men's Dutch race, while Lucinda Brands won the women's over, that was a crazy race, over um, Mariana Voss and Emery Verst. And, or uh, Capitans, I think, was third. Emery Verst, fourth. Did fan of the podcast and um, cycling eyewear oh. um, model repeat for the Italian cross world champion or national championships? You know, she did. She did. Okay. Absolutely. What about um, Fontana? He'd be the other, the only other Italian cyclocross racer that I know. Cause I'm, I'm at like a 10,000 foot level. Here, I not... honestly, I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it, I guess, but, um, yeah, uh, Eva Lechner did pull it off, um, over our Zufi and, um, and then obviously Tunerts won the Belgian with Sana Kant, went in on the women's side. Um, kind of. Uh, so it, I felt kind of educated going into today and then not watching much of the racing because I listened to the crosshairs like. Uh, yeah. Cross like national championship cross preview. So yeah. I was like, so I was listening to their preview. I was like, all right, I, I think I can pretty much have a conversation. So I'm just going to bag the conversation to say that like their follow up episode to national championship is going to be much more better listening <laughs> much better listening than what we're getting at here oh yeah but uh still uh still look like a pretty good weekend of racing it was the uh i did i i'm not gonna lie i did kind of google the the sty bar one like that one was the one i was kind of curious kind of curious about i it would have been a miracle if you pulled it off i mean yeah boros has been riding really well this year and and sty bar you know it's that's one of those uh you know you your your pick with your heart, not with your head, kind of uh, hope that he wins. But um, I'm hoping to get some uh, on the ground uh, scene reporting from the um, Dutch national championships. We actually had friend of the podcast uh, Pat Cochran on the ground over there this week. Oh, really? Um, yep, he was shooting some photos and uh, sending them over to me. So um, we'll see. We'll see if he got some uh, some choice quotes from Vanderpool or Voss or uh, any of the heroes. Or if he uh, just ate frites all day, I'm not sure. Well, Psychocross is alive and well, despite its reported death worldwide due to Matthew Vanderpool. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, seems that things are going well, except for Wout Van Art. But maybe this is what, you know, it's kind of like going into the playoffs. You kind of want your team to to lose before the playoffs start, right? So they kind of realize that they're human. Mm-hmm. Right, you don't want the you don't want your team to go, you know, sweep through the first three rounds of the playoffs before they get to the final final series and then you're like whoa man you got to lose a game just so you know like what it feels like um so maybe that's what wout van art this is a good sign that he had lost today yeah it could um, be strategic that's a good way to think about it so and with that um let's get into in-depth reporting on the upcoming tour down under um, we have so much to discuss um absolutely uh, I think the biggest news um coming into the the week of Australian training block races is um, obviously that Peter Sagan was racing an aluminum bicycle. Like, that was all over the, my, uh, my news feed. The, um, that, like, the, the, it was a battle of tie-dye kit, like Lamprey 2.0 versus aluminum bike. Yeah, it was like the whole bike industry jumped back into the mid-90s. Can I say something? I'm yes. excited about this because, yes, I think aluminum bikes always to me, seemed to be the most affordable, practical bike that you could get. Like, why buy plastic? Like, we're, we're fans of metal on this podcast. It's true. Um, that I just don't understand, like, the infatuation that cyclists have with carbon when you can have just as nice of a bike made out of aluminum for half the price. Like, it, like the bang for your buck is just get, you know, get some carbon wheels. It's like, true. Or whatever. It's like, true. I mean, the, the ride quality is pretty harsh on aluminum bike if you're going to go do centuries and stuff like that. But let's face it, um, most of us aren't doing that. And if we are going to ride 100 miles in a day, we're going to do it on our gravel bike, on gravel roads, because that's just how it is this day and age. But all the racing and training we do, come on, we're going to do the Tuesday night crit in town. That's that's about all we're going to do. We might talk a big game about doing some road races this year, but you know we're not going to. 
and all the training we're doing. Maybe we'll get on one or two group rides this year, but let's face it. We're all in the basement on the trainer where the uh, vertical compliance and the lateral stiffness and the, uh, you know, all the benefits of carbon don't really make that much of a difference. It's, it's just such a, it's, it's so weird. Like how we, we've, I mean, look in full disclosure, I have a titanium bike and I'm not a dentist <laughs> weird. I know, but yeah. it just, I had an aluminum bike, um, for a long time, the Mozzie. Mm-hmm. And then I went to carbon with a felt and it was like cool at first, but then I was just like, all right. Like I, like I just didn't, like I didn't understand why the aluminum was bad. Like, it, but I felt like kind of forced into getting the carbon bike because it was like, oh, that's what all the, like the fast guys have. Carbon. That's true. Like it just didn't, it wasn't head and shoulders above the aluminum bike, I guess. Well, now titanium so, no, head so, and shoulders above both like that. Sure. I can ride on brick streets. It's, it's beautiful, but. Well, see, Tim, when you're when you're a fan of bike racing, uh, you know, like any other sport, you just want the same thing the pros have, right? Like, and if the pros are riding, um, you know, specialized full carbon, like integrated cockpit, one piece handlebar, um, twelve speed, whatever wireless shifting thing, that's you know, eighteen thousand dollars. That's what you're going to want. Just like how fans of NASCAR all drive NASCARs around on the street. <laughs> That's why there's so many Impalas. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. No, it's a weird thing about cycling is that it's like sort of attainable, um, you know, but at the same time, it's like, and, and we really like to pretend that we're all pros uh, racing around in our local uh, office park crits and things. Um, but yeah, it's, I think, I feel like we've been duped. I think yeah, we could just, all get by on, on an aluminum bike and just have just as much fun racing our buddies every week. And, uh, you know, if you do crash and, and, you know, bang your bike off the ground, uh, it's going to be fine. That's the, that's like the things that's so weird to me. It's like the aluminum bike at least can like maybe withstand, I mean, steel's real. I, yeah. I, I got hit by a car riding a steel bike and I brought that to one-on-one and they busted out the frame alignment gauge and bent that thing back. And it was like, good as new. Um, but yeah, I don't, anyways, I was stoked to see Peter Sagan on an aluminum bike. I hope more people go to aluminum bike. There's, yeah. there's no shame in riding an aluminum bike. It's, uh, you can save a lot of money, get an aluminum bike and then go full campy super record on there or whatever, <laughs> 12 speed EPS. Yeah. Um, you can even slum down to Durace if you want. Um, I don't know about Shram Red, but you do it. You do you. And it's okay if you do you on an aluminum bike. Yeah. Um, so the other news on the Peter Sagan thing besides aluminum bike was the tubeless tires because that's going to be the renaissance. That's going to be the, the new technology yeah. for 2020. Like, I think it will be introduced this year, but, you know, the new the new thing's going to be full tubeless um, for sure. Yeah, it's it's on been a road. long time coming and uh, it's been heavily resisted on the road. Um, <laughs> I, would say, I would say Hutchinson's for a good reason. Be there going like, we've been doing this for the last 20 years. No one cared about us. And then, yeah. That's true. And, you know, I mean, it's kind of a pain, you know, like it has been, but much like tubeless on mountain bike, it was definitely kind of a pain when they launched that. And now it is the only way to go. And anybody who is not running tubeless on their mountain bike is like more ancient than little guy. Like as far as technology is concerned. I, tubeless has to be the way to, I mean, what do you think? 2020? Tubeless will be as synonymous as disc brakes now on road bikes. Uh yeah, I, I would I, mean, I would say so for sure. Um, I mean, I'm gonna say this: this isn't road bike, uh, whatever. But for my cross bike personally, I'm I'm bagging the tubulars. I'm going tubeless. So I have the stands, uh, the stands rims on my cross bike mm-hmm. that I've got set up tubeless, and it's it's fine. I I'm still not like. You, you know me, I'm not a mechanic, so I don't have like a compressor or anything. Every now and then I have to bring it to the shop so they can put some more stands in there. And right. Then, like, you know, but get it and get it seated the first time, but I haven't had any problems with it. Here's a, um, here's a, here's a tip for you, Tim. Yeah. Get a compressor. <laughs> They're not expensive. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but I, overall, it seems like that is the, the new thing. I, yeah. you know what? I'm looking forward to a bike CX, bike shop CX, uh, 
about road tubulars. I know it's not cross, but like they they could do I, their most listened to episode of all time is just going to be an explainer on for cyclocross people. Yeah, like like to explain to road people what cyclocross fans have known forever about tubeless. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's going to be hilarious. It'd be pretty good. It could be good. It could be so, good. Um, the other news uh, today was uh, well. Trek seems to be winning. The Trek's women's team seems to be winning all of the races um, going into like the start of the uh, season. Yeah. Um, but we can, um, we'll have to get some reporting, some, uh, you know, on the ground reporting from Abby on that. She's, yeah, cause in, she's there. Yeah. She's yeah. in Australia right now, uh, living it up. I saw some pictures with her and a koala bear. So that happened. Um, and uh, she, she's basically living the dream that we all think all the pros are doing when they go down to Australia. Um, although I did see that her bike got smashed in shipping. Uh, her brand oh. new felt bike, um, first trip with it, both uh, chainstay and seat stay cracked uh, in half from uh, the airline. So that was a bummer, but uh, I'm looking forward to hearing how that got resolved uh, from her. Uh, on a future episode. Well, that would be good to know. And it's nice to see that she's out there racing. And then the, the right. other part is before tour down under starts is like kind of that pre prologue race, I guess. And mm-hmm. Caleb Ewing totally took out or beat Sagan. There's a big crash at the end, but Caleb oh, Ewing, it? you know, definitely a buy stock for top sprinter at the tour de France this year. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's making that lotto, uh, the red lotto kit look pretty good. I got to say, I was... Even uh, with the dot metrics. Yeah, I had some questions about that one. Um, but uh, yeah, it looks good at the front of a race. I'm not going to yeah, lie. Let me, uh, let me check results to see how Bling Matthews did in the sprint. And... Uh All right, we'd like to once again thanks all the listeners and subscribers and supporters of the Wide Angle Podium Network. Go to wideanglepodium.com to find out more. It is your source for independent cycling media, specializing in podcasts, a lot of great shows. We've talked about a bunch of them. We have a new show called Gravel Lot. It's been fantastic to listen to. Um, last week, they had Scott Diedenbach from Bike Shop CX on there. And then also Bill's been on there and a bunch of other great guests. Um, so you got Cyclocross Radio, Consummate Athlete, and uh, Slow Ride Reviews. It's, overall, what a great network. I'm happy to be proud of it. And um, so thanks to all the uh, listeners and supporters once again. Absolutely. Um, we are also excited to, of course, talk about Grimper Brothers um, Coffee. We've got a great partnership going on with them right now. We've got two uh, blends of beans out there in the world uh, for you guys to enjoy. Uh, obviously, we've got the brand new Hello Cyclocross Friends uh, espresso blend um, celebrating Cyclocross Radio and Bill Scheichen over there taking his tagline and putting it on the on the label for some beans. Those ones are super delicious. I've been enjoying those lately. And we've also got the full Schleck, the original, uh, launched just after the Tour de France um, much like uh, Frank and Andy's career launched by the Tour de France. Um, the Full Schleck is a light roast, uh, delicious, delicious blend. Uh, all these can be found wineaglepodium.com slash coffee. We'll take you right over to the Grimper Brothers site um, and you'll be able to drop those in your cart and check them out for yourself. That's right. And thanks for bringing that up. And once again, thanks to going out to Grimper Brothers for their continued support. There's a subscription plan. That's my favorite part about the coffee. So go check it out and uh, continue to support the shows in any way that you can. We appreciate it. And uh, let's get back to the show. I'm Joe Dombrowski from Cannondale Drop Pack, and you are listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. So, Spencer, we got a couple of reviews I think we need to touch on. It's been a little while, so uh, we'd like to thank two reviews came through. Oh, my God. We have a three-star review. Wait, from, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, wait, I know, wait, I know. Wait. I think that's a mistake. Have we yeah. ever gotten a three-star? This is the first ever. No, sorry. We've had four 
three-star reviews. We've had 211 five-star reviews, 13 four-star reviews, and three one-star reviews. Huh. Um, I'm pretty sure all three of those are from uh, Courier Dave up in uh, Cleveland. Just Probably. in different nom de plumes. Um, so the Jay's Fave um, by Rock of Gibraltar. This is Justin Bieber's go-to for cycling info. The millennials' favorite. Um, so that was a three-star review. I kind of like that. That yeah. Hey Bieber, you can listen. It's that's cool. true. It's for everybody. Uh, <laughs> reviews are free too. Five stars from Taff Miller. Not sure how accurate these guys are, but it's good. Listen anyway. So many inside-out jokes. If you've been listening long enough, as a wide angle podium freeloader, it's the least I can do to give a, to leave a sixteen-star review. Hey, when you are when you are you going to get that one guy you're always mentioning on the show? Tokyo Tony is the uh, name of the reviewer. And I will say that we will get that one guy we always mention on the show when you become a supporter of the Wine Echo Podium Network. That seems fair. See see what I did there? Kind of flipped mm-hmm. it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A little no, I swerve. Like it. I, I so, like it. And I, I appreciate um, you know everybody taking the time to leave reviews. That yeah, uh, That is great. We love reading them on the air, even if they're three stars. Um, because uh, you know, we're not ashamed, you know, you guys want to call us out. That's fine. And Tokyo, Tony, thank you for the review. It's a, it's a, it's very nice that you're willing to do that. So thanks again. So absolutely, uh, we're working on getting them on the podcast. Uh, yeah, things come up. Absolutely. Um, And, and, you know, we do have a lot of inside jokes on here and that's fine. Uh, They're not that good. So if you guys don't get it, just, just move on. You know, it's fine. Don't. Don't you go can, back and listening to anything. You definitely don't go back and listen to all the episodes to figure out where the origin stories come from. Um, you know, that'll be all published in our biography uh, that's due out in uh, 2022. Dear Slow Ride Podcast, how did Seiko not get a mention on the Mount Rushmore? Mm-hmm. Beyond the obvious showman Chipo, you had the Little Prince, a young Cadell, DeLuca, Simone, Salvadelli, as well as Teenage Sensations Creed and Pate for a year or two. You had an annual inspired fashion disasters. Some of the ugliest CAD fours <laughs> rocking even uglier spinnery wheels, both in yellow and red. Yeah. And even the legalized my Cannondale charade for the Cannondale 613s. Too many wins and too many lifetime bans to count. Matt in Tampa. That now, is full th- of facts. This is, that this is, is a, full of facts. Yeah. And so I, I replied... Um, to Matt an email I said I'm pretty sure we mentioned Seiko in an honorable mention and yeah we didn't we did not we mentioned it in the pot in the post pod podcast green room when we were meeting the backstage guests yeah and we had talked about it and I distinctly brought it up I said guys I, I think Seiko would have been my other team if you didn't take Uskatel. I'm embarrassed we didn't talk about it on the air but I will say when I mentioned Seiko the only thing I brought up naturally was the little prince Damiano mm-hmm. Cunigo and Simone. That was it. And little guy just shot that down so fast. I don't know if he needed to leave, but he was just like, no, we're not going to talk about Seiko. But after reading Matt's email right here, it, like this, there may be a fifth head on the Mount Rushmore. I mean, this is so close to getting there because well, you have cheapo and you had, they had those beautiful Kappa kits. Remember yeah. that? Oh yeah, with the with the um the Kappa's legendary logo that just looks so good going down the shoulders, um, oh and Chippo with the with the annual kits. I mean, they had the the exoskeleton kit. They had oh man, there's so much good here that there's a lot going on there. Um, yeah, I think I think that's and it's it's a shame that it wasn't mentioned in the conversation that. I will give him. Yeah, like we made a mistake there. Like that was an oversight and it was in our mind. Like we did talk about it, just not on the air. Indeed. Um, um, but the legalize my Cannondale. Like, come on, that was one of the greatest ad campaigns in the history of cycling. It's true. That's true. Uh, all that said, all those facts out there on the table in front of me, I still don't think it makes Mount Rushmore. Really? I, I really like that kit too, despite the glaring red and yellow combo. Uh, the the Ronald McDonald esque nature of it. Um, you know the 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 five we picked or the four sorry the four we picked are solid. And, those are and those, as a reminder, we had Quick Step, mm-hmm. CSC, yep, 
T-Mobile Telecom yes. and Uskatel. Undefeatable. I don't know like who's the weakest link there? Like That's that's uh, the thing. If you want to put somebody like Seiko up there, who are you going to take down out of that lineup? Yeah, and it's and that's what's weird is that the I'm acknowledging the Seiko being so good. Like it's almost there. Like if there was a fifth spot it would be Seiko. I mm-hmm. mean, especially after what Matt wrote out here. I mean, Savadelli, I forgot he was on that team. DeLuca? Like I named my cat DeLuca. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like, sure did. Um Cadell, a young Cadell Evans. He was on the team. He must that must have been when he broke one or two of his collarbones. I don't know. But oh my gosh. Matt, thank you so much for the email. I hope we did a little bit of justice by admitting that we were wrong not having it in the conversation. But we're not going to bend and break from the four that we have selected for the uh, Slow Ride podcast, uh, Mount Rushmore. Um, and those are carved into stone, so uh, they're not going to be taken off anytime soon. It's true. Um, got a great email here. Probably one of the, uh, a very unique email. This comes from Nat Chineko. He says, I had a dream last night. Hey guys, I have to tell you about the dream dream I actually had last night. This is without embellishment or added detail. Just the best I can remember at 6.08 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. I almost never remember my dreams, so this one is special. Dream starts. I wanted to go to the pool in a hotel in Vegas. When I got to the pool, the only two other people there were a little guy and Spencer, neither of whom I have ever met in person that I'm aware of. Somehow... We knew each other in passing, but uh-huh. not very well. Spencer decided that I needed guitar picks. So Spencer and little guy started th- to throw some to me from the pool as I was still standing on the deck. I feel like it's hard to throw a guitar pick, so they were coming up short. Once they figured out the techni- technique, the picks started to reach me. But they looked like they'd been chewed up in a blender. <laughs> Then Spencer Spencer walked out of the water, onto the deck, took my glasses, and I really wear glasses, and threw them in the pool, where they broke when they hit the water. Spencer was very apologetic and wanted to know how he could make it up to me. I told Spencer the glasses were old, and if he just gave me a hundred bucks, that would be fine. Hmm. I forgot to mention that this entire time, little guy had been treading water in the unusually deep, deep, deep end for a hotel pool. Like, ten foot deep end. So Spencer made him dive down and pick up the glasses from the bottom. That's when I woke up and I haven't been able to fall back asleep since. See, there's a lot of that that rings true because I definitely would have done anything to not have to pay $100, including potentially drowning my friend, little guy, uh, in in a rescue mission. This is a pretty good dream. There's so much uh, things here. The the guitar picks, I could see those um, going. The breaking the glasses... Is probably my favorite part. Um, <laughs> anyways, Nate, thanks for uh, entertaining us. This is this is pretty good. I did. I don't know how good of a tread, treading water little guy is. Yeah, I don't. Admit. I don't know if I've ever seen him in the water. So, uh, Jeff Aldrich writes advice on rocking the single cog. Hey guys, I was hoping to um, help you out a little bit for your future pod topic. You could give me a little intro in the world of fixies. And continuing my quest for N plus one bikes, I am considering adding a fixie to my fleet. Where do I even begin? Do you have an advice on pedal choice, fixed gear versus single speed versus flip-flop hubs, and naturally a quick top corner, draft corner on fixie brands? So Spencer, I think we can nail this in little guy's absence because he does not like fixed gears off the velodrome. So let's go with it. Pedal choice unanimously for us is time yeah. attack pedals pretty easy so, for us time attack or um if you can find older time attacks definitely go with them but time attacks yeah sure. that's that's what i say um you know but that that said no clips and straps you're not don't mess around like just yeah. get some clipless pedals whatever you use on your mountain bike will be fine and those should be time attack pedals they should be um Fixed gear versus single speed versus flip-flop hubs. Um, if it's your first fixed gear bike, definitely go with the flip-flop hubs. There's no shame in that. And no one can tell. That's true. Um, do you have a, like a brand of choice? Like if I was going to go full, like if I was going to make a full on fixie bike at this point, I'd probably go for campy record track hubs, but, um, mm. Paul Components makes nice stuff. White Industries. Um, yeah, those are those. That's where Hellwood, I would start. Probably like, f- 
you know, like if, well, if I wasn't sure I wanted to get into it, I'd probably just build up a set with uh, some, some surly uh, hubs uh, on them because they're, yeah. they're bomb proof. They're fine. They're not the lightest in the world, but it doesn't matter. And they're nicer than most of the garbage ones that are out there for very cheap. Um, you know, the they're, hub you- <laughs> they're a solid middle ground hub. Yes. Surly. That's some good advice right there. Go with a Surly if it's your first bike, um, unless you want to spend more money for the uh, more polished, mm-hmm. whatever you do, just stay away from the chub hub. Um, and then let's go to fixie brands. Um, here, here are the ones that. Do you want to do a draft on this? No, I'd see. I don't do more of a device. I don't even know if I know what fixie brands are out there and hip and and cool anymore. Um, I don't even think you go that route. I think you go to like what, where you can get the most bang for your buck. So one, okay. number one, right away, I'm going to say Mozzie. Mozzie okay. continues to make a kick-ass um, single speed slash fixed gear bike that if you wanted to complete, I think you get away with it at about like 500 bucks. They have the Mozzie Uno Riser. I still have one from my bike shop from like five years ago. Okay. And it's yep. like gator orange and blue. It's totally hideous, but for Gainesville, it totally works. I ride it around. I have one of those PDW uh, Portland Design Works uh, six-pack rack on the front. Mm-hmm. No-brainer. And it's got a flip-flop hub. So I actually switched from uh, fixed to single-speed about a year ago because all the brick streets here in Orlando, a lot of, uh, a lot of potholes in the brick streets. Okay. Um, so now I can coast, but sure, sure. I'd look at Mozzie. Another brand I'd look at would definitely be Surly with yep. the classic steamroller. Um, any bike shop in the country can go get that for you. Yeah. Um, the Surly steamroller was the uh, original gravel bike. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but it's got the slacker geometry. It's very forgiving. It's got a yeah. nice plush steel rod. You can't beat it. Um, that would probably be my recommendation uh, as well. Um, Mozzie is also a very good choice. I've had uh, one of those in the past as well. Um, right now, I'm riding uh, an On One, uh, which is a UK nice. brand. Yeah. Um, don't see them across the pond over here all that often, which is probably why I got it. It's nothing special. Um, it's basically a Surly or an All City, but um, it's just from uh, from Did, the UK, so it's better. Does On One make a um, belt drive? I have no Out idea. Curiosity. Or I'm thinking a spot maybe. Cuz spot uh, there's like a spot bike that also was a single speed fixie. Um I recall one of them having a yeah. belt drive, but I could be totally wrong. So those uh I think on one's a good recommendation. If you're looking for like actual fixed gear track bikes to like have a little bit of cred, um avoid the Bianchi Pista mm-hmm. just because everyone kind of had that for a while. So that's like the Pista concept or the or the Pista concept looked cool. That was my track bike. Um, but the Pista itself for a while there, they, they were kind of, they wore the bike. So I would avoid that. They had that Chrome one for a while. They, I think, it, um, uh, probably a good way to go would be looking, you know, if you're just not, if you just want to test the waters, dip a toe in, get something that like is passable, not super cool, but you're not really worried about it. You're just trying to figure out if you like it, get some winter training done, whatever, work on your your cadence. I don't know what your reasoning is, but maybe check out state bicycle as well. Um, oh, yeah. I feel like they've been, uh, they were kind of a, maybe a joke for a while, like when they first came out, but I think they've been putting out some pretty legit stuff now for a couple years. So that's that a good be- point. Um, and then, yeah, they're often overlooked even like we just uh, did a little bit. Yeah. If you're looking for dipping toe in the water, I definitely put them up there with kind of your mozzie. Um, mm-hmm. And then, more so even than Surly. They have a lot of affordable bikes too. I also will say this is that if you look at the state uh, site, they had, um, they're pretty unique in kind of their like marketing that is pretty good. Okay. They just made custom fixed gear bikes for the entire, uh, Philadelphia or, uh, Phoenix Suns where they're, where they're oh, wow. based out in Arizona. And they had a frame that went up to like their, their large frame was 60 centimeters, I believe, maybe 61. And that was for, any rider that's below seven feet tall, but since they were making these custom bikes for the, uh, the sons, they had to make a double extra large frame okay. that went up to like, I think it's a 66 centimeter frame. And the, uh, the press release was pretty cool on this bike. They, they drilled rear brake. Cause normally they sell bikes, I believe with just the front brake. Yeah. But they, um, but they drilled a rear brake. Cause for these basketball players, you don't want to ruin their career. They right. um, basically had internal cable routing to the rear brake. So it was super like sleek looking. 
Hmm. It was it was pretty impressive. That's pretty the cool. State, I haven't seen those. State's also the same. Uh, they've also were popping all up on my Twitter feed a couple months ago or Instagram because uh, Bicycling Magazine ran this like video story that they did about taking a pair of Yeezys and making them clipless. That was pretty cool. Like five hundred dollars sneakers and making them uh, clipless shoes. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty cool little. Uh, <laughs> well, little you know, story. if you're pretty into Yeezy and all that, I mean, you could obviously go with Chanelli as well for. a for a quality uh, high-ender aluminum track frame. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're good, looking for that racing style, um, those are probably pretty in demand right now. But um, as far as uh, the rest of it goes, like, I mean, the the kind of newbie questions you got, I think I would, uh, I think my biggest concern for you would be gearing. Like, I don't know what you're looking to do. Uh, whether you're just puttering around town to the coffee shop or whether you're trying to work on your your cadence uh, or some off-season training stuff. But um, don't overgear yourself. In fact, no. shoot shoot lower uh, than, than maybe you even think um, just to save your knees because um, you'll be happier. Well, what was uh, your go-to gearing that you had when you were – when I was a courier, I was 42-16, and I was always spinning – like yeah. Crazy. What was yours? That's an appropriate gear. See, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Shoot for something around there. 4216 is ideal. That's what I've got on my bike now. Okay. Uh, when I was a courier, though, I had a 48, uh, sorry, yeah. 4917. Um, you had which, a lot of court filings that had to be made. Yeah, I had to go 100 <laughs> miles an hour and not be able to stop at all. So um, that that is a, a perfect example of what I'm recommending you don't do. Um Save your legs. You don't need it. Um, stick with something around to forty-two, so, uh, and in the in the upper teens. And last piece of advice: go with brakes, front and back. I ran front and back brakes on my fixed gear bike for the longest time, even though these clowns made fun of me on this podcast. Uh-huh. But it was always fun. The only reason that couriers would rock no brakes that I could find was because when you actually were riding around downtown and you had a legal box up on your handlebars. Like you couldn't reach your brakes anyway, so yep. you just pedal with your like. That's how you would stop with, with your feet. That's the only. And then also in Minnesota, you rode fixed gear instead of a s- single speed or a coaster bike, um, freewheeling bike, because your paws on your bike would freeze when it was like below zero. Yeah, and so your your gear wouldn't engage. Yeah, so that's why you're on fixed gear. The that's grease, the only reason. Yeah, the grease would just freeze up, and yeah. it would literally do nothing. Like you would, you could freewheel forwards and backwards, and get no. It would just but, would never catch. So you go to a fixed gear, then you don't have that problem, and you can always have some some drive. Well, Jeff, we'd like to thank you for your email, and we're just going to do a quick a, a sweet segue, Sam, because Jeff is from Charlotte, North Carolina, so he can okay. definitely find a cheap bike at the performance bankruptcy auction. Which is right around the corner. Um, so, a couple of big things came out. You and I are in the industry. We've been around the industry for much of our life. We got into it, or I definitely got into it for the fame and fortune and uh-huh. traveling to um, shows. I remember, like, you used to go to all these shows. And I'd be like, man, I want to go to Vegas Interbike, and now I'm like, man, thank God Interbike isn't going on anymore. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, this performance is actually pretty big news in the cycling industry, just because of the millions of dollars of outstanding debt and a non 20 million non-secured uh, debt, 80 million in secured debt. Um, insane. ASC, the parent company that bought performance also owns Fuji breezer, SC bikes, um, fat cycles. And I think Tuesday they, they're around, they bought the 250 stores or whatever of the performance chain and mm-hmm. the Nash bar. Mm-hmm. Okay. Couple of things that we just need to get through quickly in the the remainder here of the podcast. Specialized just spent seven hundred thousand dollars to buy outright the Roubaix name. Now, most people may remember when Specialized sued a coffee shop slash bike shop in was it Edmonton or Calgary, somewhere Canada, up there, yeah. for copyright infringement. Because they called their shop Cafe Roubaix. And that was kind of like, you know, last week we were, t- or a couple weeks ago, we were talking about Peloton and mm-hmm. the, um, mm-hmm. and the, how they were suing a gentleman that had a YouTube series called The Daily Peloton. And Specialized kind of had to eat crow on this one because it did not look good. 
um, how they were trying to own the thing. And what the about face of that whole story was, Specialized was not backing down until Fuji and ASC came out and said, actually, we're the ones that own the trademark, Cafe Roubaix. You can go ahead and use that name all you want. Yep. And that was kind of the revelation that how entwined the cycling world is, right? So Specialized owns the Roubaix name in countries around the world, but they did not own it here in the U.S. They had to basically pay a licensing fee to uh, Philadelphia, where ASC is based. And now they had to buy it outright because you know for a fact that uh, that was going to be a high-priced item if that thing went to auction. Oh, yeah. I had a bid on that. We could have... You know what would have been fun? How many haters of Specialized out there would have created a crowd crowdsourced campaign to like just bid it up super high like there, there has to be bike companies that would want to do that sure I, f- I feel like I if know. we can get uh people to raise up 20 million dollars on a uh towards a five billion dollar um thing on gofundme we could probably do enough to get uh get the specialized uh trademark so, from under them pretty big deal that they bought that so that that's legit Good for them. I'm sure it's it definitely has got to be important for their business. Think about how many millions of dollars Specialized has, has invested into that Roubaix name. Yeah. So like that that makes sense. But what's crazy here is Spencer, and this is a question I wanted to ask you. So of all of these brands, so you've got Nash Bar, mm-hmm. which had like 22 million dollars in sales um, last year. You had um, Performance, which uh, they're saying their gross sales was 141 million and that's like stores and online. So think about all of these brands, Breezer, SE bikes, mm-hmm. spin doctor, Nash bar performance, the shops, um, Fuji, you have oval concepts, um, lots of different brands. What would you buy? If you, if you, let's say you had all the money in the world, but you only had, you can only buy one of the brands that's in that portfolio. What would you buy? Um. Well, you forgot to mention Kestrel, I think. Oh, Ke- <laughs> yes. I did that on purpose so you yeah. wouldn't buy it from me. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Kestrel. Man, and I have to buy one? You have to buy, yes, for sure. Hmm. There's one that sticks out for me that I would totally buy. I mean... I don't want to buy any of these at all, but I guess uh, I, I I think Fuji is the only one that's got any actual okay. ring, uh, name recognition so, um, these days, and uh, it's probably the smart bet. So Fuji in 2017, $77.5 million in sales and 185,000 bikes they sold. So like, I can understand why you'd want Fuji. To mm-hmm. me, Breezer. I would, I would love to have the Breezer brand. I think that... I think Breezer could actually... In the right hands, not that my hands are the right hands here, but I think that there's cachet to the breezer to the point that like, if done right, you can get onto the fact that he is, Joe Breeze is the founder of mountain biking, you know, one of the godfathers of the mountain biking spirit and created mm-hmm. the first ever mountain bike. Like, I think that there's a lot there. They make some cool bikes. Their transportation um, commuter bikes are fantastic. I, I think there's a little bit of legs left in that breezer brand. Fuji makes sense to buy it just because there's a lot i mean that's a lot of bikes being sold and a lot of people know that brand yeah but um the uh the breezer brand is is to me pretty exciting notice that both nash bar we didn't even think about nash bar which is crazy because that was like the first online site i even learned about it was it had been around for a long time and they've been selling stuff below cost for a long time and i'm (laughs) surprised they lasted as long as it did to be perfectly honest um, the, uh, I don't know how solid that, uh, <laughs> that business model was, but, um, you know, if you guys want to, uh, you know, buy it at auction and take a crack at it, you can. Yeah. It's going to be pretty amazing to see what's in there. So bicycle retailers got a great article about this whole, uh, kind of mess that's happening. And it's been, uh, it's not fun to watch a bankruptcy because you think about all the people that are losing their jobs within the industry. I mean, mm-hmm. and this reorganization, and then also the people that are affected purely by unpaid debt and the jobs that that's going to cost. And some of the people that have outstanding, you know, uh, invoices out there that are just never going to see light of day. Right. And then also 
the, the trickle down effect of this, right? All of these blowouts that are happening at the performance, 200 stores around the country. Yeah. That's just completely saturated bike markets that, you know, even here in Orlando where there's a store, I mean, that just the yeah. tops off on, you know, the local well, IBD no. that is still playing kind of out there. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, Fuji does make a nice uh, track bike. So, um, <laughs> you know, harkening <laughs> back to the previous email, maybe check out their performance. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, I'm sure, and there's several in North Carolina, I'm sure. So, mm-hmm. anyways, um, well, we miss you, little guy. Can't wait for you to be back next week. And um, with that, I'd like to thank all of our listeners and all of these subscri- subscribers of the Wide Angle Podium Network. Go to wideanglepodium.com to find out more. Also, check out Grimper Brothers for the two great Wide Angle Podium coffee blends, the Full Schleck and Hello Cyclocross Friends. And uh, this is Tim. In Orlando. And this is Spencer in Boston. On behalf of a little guy uh, in Minneapolis, I'd like to remind you all to wave at all your fellow cyclists that you see out on the road. The Slow Ride Podcast. Bikes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePodcast.